0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to two places. We're going to get right in uh, tonight for sake of time. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 and also James chapter 3. And so if you wouldn't mind uh, going, first we'll be in Isaiah 6, uh, and then we'll be in James chapter 3. I feel like I shouldn't be allowed to preach because Wednesday night when I got up to pray, I lied to all of you. I specifically said, I will not be here Sunday. And then here I am because my flight got canceled, and so I guess that was God's way of reminding me that I'm not in control, right? We can say things, we can boast of things, um, like James says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, because you don't know what another day is going to bring. Um, and so, but anyway, I'm here, and so hopefully you can forgive me uh, for lying on Wednesday, and I'm excited for what God has. Uh, we're going to start in Isaiah 6 in a moment, but uh, you don't have to answer this out loud, but think in your mind to a place. Maybe for some of you it's a, a beautiful home, like a mansion you've been to. Maybe for some of you it's a big business or you went on vacation and maybe you saw the Grand Canyon, or you saw Niagara Falls, or you saw, uh, for some of you, maybe the Biltmore Estates, or a place that you will never forget because when you saw it, you were taken back. Maybe you took a lot of photos, you couldn't believe how amazing, but even the photos you took couldn't do justice to how amazing that place, how big the place was. Uh, And maybe for some of you, you've been to a sporting event, and the stadium, was so big, and there were so many people around you. But in Isaiah 6, we're about to read this scene where in Revelation 4, it gives light, it sheds light into it that there were a hundred million angels in this temple. And they're all singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Now, who's who's the I? Who's the one speaking here? It's Isaiah. And Isaiah is a lot like many of you. He would be the one in Sunday night service, he's the prophet that God used to convey the message he had to his people. So, this Isaiah at this time would have been like, like you would look at him and you think he is the ultimate Christian, he has it all together. Surely he, doesn't, he hasn't made uh, this mistake or done this. And, and so this is Isaiah that's talking here. He's the I. It says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, the angels. Remember, like a Revelation says 10,000 times 10,000, which is 100 million. Each one had six wings with twain or with two covered his face and with two covered his feet and with twain or two he did fly and one cried unto another said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory the word holy here is the word uh, kedosh to to cut to separate And holy, when it's described, uh, when it describes God, is not just sinless moral perfection. That's part of it. But even the angels who are sinless are covering their faces from head to toe and they're singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy is not only without error, without sin, but it is without any equal. No one and nothing can come close. To God, He's holy, holy, holy. And in the, the Hebrew, when you would use three words, it was for complete emphasis. Don't miss the fact that God is holy. He's different. He's distinct. He's holy. And Isaiah sees this. He catches this vision of who God is. And look in, in verse 7. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me. Excuse me, verse 5. Then said I, this is Isaiah. So he sees this, and he says, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because, what does he then say? Remember, this is like like one of us, somebody that you wouldn't think has a lot of sin in his life. But he says, because I am a man of what? Unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, "'Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged.'" See, for many of us, you're like Isaiah. There wouldn't be, maybe for some of you, you don't have this crazy testimony of of God's transforming work in your life. Maybe you've grown up in church, and you hear some people say, I was this way, but then God came into my life, and now I'm completely different. But for some of us, that transformational work, the sanctification in our lives, has not taken place because we've not allowed it, allowed God to transform our mouths, our lips. See, I believe that the fruit of the fruit of the spirit is often shown in our conversation, in the things that we say, in our words and in our actions. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, and so on. That will show in the words that you speak. Words matter. And I'd like to speak for the next few few moments. It won't be long. But with the new year in mind, new year, new tongue. New year, new tongue. God, I pray that in the next few moments you would speak to our hearts and that we wouldn't think to anyone else for this but ourselves. Help us to realize, God, that we are our greatest communication problem. It's not our situation. It's not the fact that someone else said something because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. Help us to hear your word and then to let it change our lives. Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to turn now to James chapter 3. To James chapter number 3. James uh, is the half-brother of Jesus. He was the pastor of the early church in Jerusalem for uh, many believe 60 years. Would have been the first like, local church pastor. And yet he opens up the book of James and he doesn't say any of that. All he says is James, a servant of Jesus Christ, he's humble, and he uses a lot of Old Testament scripture in his writing, and some would say that James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament, very practical, uh, he gives great metaphors to help us understand what he's talking about, even today, and I wonder, we we, we saw a video, a year-end recap video, and we looked back at everything that was done here, and I wonder, if we roll back the tape in the start of the service, and instead of Pastor saying, This is a year end recap of everything that happened at the church, what if he instead said, We're going to show a year end recap of all the words that you said in 2021? Every conversation you had during the Christmas get together with family, everything you said at work when you were annoyed with your coworker everything you said about church when you went home from church. I wonder if if we would be as excited or if some of us would sit up, we'd maybe tense up, some of us maybe would start sweating, some of us would probably leave because if we're honest, we don't really understand or realize how much our words truly matter. The average human speaks 7,000 words every day And if you multiply that, uh, that's two and a half, over two and a half million words every year. And that's a minimum, that's like for you introverts. (laughs) Two and a half million words, and and let let me remind you of this, that you and I have never, we have never spoken a neutral word in our life. Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, Every conversation that you and I have, we will walk away and that person which we spoke to will either feel more or less loved by God. Our conversations truly do matter. And in James chapter 3, the whole chapter is about the tongue. It's about our tongue and and he uses some metaphors that I'll go into and that will help, help us hopefully understand how much our words matter, and how much of a difference 2022 could be if we simply let God change our mouths, our conversations. James chapter 3 starts, My brethren, be not many masters or many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, don't be quick to be the one who gets to preach or who gets to teach or who gets to use their influence and their words, because you will be held responsible for the influence in which you use your words to lead people to do. So don't be quick to, to want that influence because with that influence is gonna come responsibility. We're gonna stand before God. In verse two, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in a word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if you say you've, you've gone twenty twenty one and you're excited to see the conversations, that means you're a liar. You're a perfect man. There's, there's, no, there's none righteous. We've all made mistakes with our mouths. We've all said words that we wish we could go back and change. In verse 3 in verse 2, he gives the first, these first metaphors, these first pictures to show us the importance of our tongue. And he says in the next couple of verses that it's like the bridle for a horse and it's like the rudder of a ship. Now think about this. This is so important and this is so significant because it's so true. Like the rudder of a ship is not the first thing you notice about a ship. And the bridle in the horse's mouth is not the first thing you notice about a horse. It seems insignificant. You won't notice it. But in fact, those two things change the direction of the ship and of the horse. And so as we look back at our words, we can say so many things. We can speak 7,000 words today. And, and just think, well, yeah, I had these conversations, but you don't even think about what you're saying or the impact, the influence that those words have. But James is showing us as he starts out, words seem insignificant because you speak all the time, but they matter. Wow. See, when we speak, when we use our words to communicate, is one of the ways that we, that we show that we are like God. We're made in his image. The first words were not spoken by man, but by God. He said, let there be light. He spoke creation. He used his words, and there are powerful words in Scripture. say, well, what what are some examples in Scripture of powerful or influential words, both negative and positive? Well, I think, obviously, we could start at creation when God speaks everything into existence. But what about the negative side? What about words and phrases that had so much influence? Like when Satan said in his heart, I will be like the Most High. Yeah. What about when he told Eve, hath, hath God not said? Like, hath God said? Did he really say that? And those words that he spoke ended up causing the fall and sin. What about <laughs> Jesus, he, he comes and, and he lives a perfect, sinless life that you and I could never live. Died the death in our place. And, and when he's getting up to be crucified and they're, they're having uh, this, this decision, oh, should we? should it be Barabbas? Should it be Jesus? And they say, hey, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. The people who Jesus came to die for and they use their mouths to say, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. And Jesus hanging on the cross spoke maybe some of the most powerful words ever. He said, It is finished to die And that is that he came and he finished the work he came to do. He died the death that you and I deserved. And Paul said in these words in First Corinthians 15 that the gospel is that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. And I wonder, in in scripture, there's so many that use their words, that had powerful words, that they spoke, like when Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest, rest for your souls. These people that use their words either from a negative or a positive way, and we're still reading about them, we're still preaching about these words because they hold power, they hold influence. So first, James shows us it's like it's like a bridle, it's like a rudder. It seems insignificant. Our words seem like yeah, it's just another day. I speak to people all the time, but they hold significant influence. And then he says, uh, verse verse five. Uh, Even so, the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Verse six. The tongue is a fire. Many of you have followed the news, even these past few years, in California, other states where these fires would start, and just a little match or a little uh, fire that started and it spreads and it causes so much destruction. Some of you maybe have been burned by a flame or you've had damage to your house or your property because of fire, and that's what our tongue can do. Our tongue can hurt. It can hurt people. Some of you remember from your childhood things that people said to you, a pastor, a teacher, a parent, a friend that still sticks with you. It made an impact, positive or negative. Our words matter. Then he says it's a world of iniquity. We'll get into it, but it's this devastating sin, this premeditated sin, this continual sin. It's like a world of iniquity. That's how much sin that can cause. The tongue is no joke. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature It is set on fire of hell. Verse 7, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. See, you you know, you've watched on TV or on these shows, these people that, that can even train tigers to do what they say but yet the same people have not learned how to control the things that they say. They've not been able, none of us can seem to control when something happens and we react in frustration. The tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I want us to get this, verse 9. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. In other words, you cannot curse creation and then bless the creator. If you curse creation, you curse the creator. I could I could go up to someone that that, that that's a, an artist, and I could look at what they would say is their masterpiece, and I could say that's horrible. That's terrible. You spent that much time on that? And I could criticize their art, but then I could say, well, no offense to you, and it doesn't work that way. You can't separate the two. And when we have conversations with people who Jesus died for, created, loves, wants a relationship with that he's not done with, and we use our words to hurt them, to speak death, not life into them, we I wonder, then we come to church and we think everything's fine and we can sing songs about how great God is, but you can't separate your relationship with God and your relationship with people. How many of us use our words to complain? To complain, to gossip, to do these things that, that just aren't right. But as Christians, we can do them so often without even thinking about it. Without even thinking about it. I heard this quote and it hit me, it hit me hard because I'm, I tend to be a sarcastic person by nature, and it was this quote, sarcasm is not a spiritual gift or a love language. (laughs) I thought that was so true, and at first I was like, wait a second, that's got to be a typo, there's no way, it's got to be one of those two, no, it's not, because sometimes we can say things, and and really they're idle words, we just say them, but then after the fact, we realize, I wonder how that person felt when they walked away from that conversation, and our words hold power. We can build people up. We can edify them. We can use our words to share the gospel with people. We can use our words to repent, to confess. But instead, we seem to be just talking about the problems or or building up these issues and shedding light on those. And then he ends, James ends with, I won't read it, but he ends this, this chapter, and he talks about how our words are the fruit. In other words, the result of tonight is not to go and say I'm going to resolve to, you know, speak better to this person and try not to say that and to say this. You no, know, because words are the fruit problem. So our words are for evaluation. For us to look back at 2021, to look back at today, look back at this week and say and look at every conversation that we've had and say how did I use my words? And if it's not, if there are things that we regret that we maybe just tend to not think about our words, the answer is not making a lot of little resolutions and trying to do better. But the first step is just to say, God, I'm confessing this. I'm using my words now to say, God, my words, I have not stewarded the influence of my words. And I want to, God, I need your help. Some of us need to say, God, I want you to speak through me in 2022. I wonder this, this is something that's convicted me because I speak a lot, is how many times do my words interrupt what God is trying to say? Having a conversation with someone and I just am relying on something I know or I just want to, and they're speaking and I just can't wait till they're done so I can say what I know back to them instead of actually listening to them. And God is trying to use you and steward that conversation to help those people. But instead, we let our words get in the way. And we don't say every day, God, guard and guide my lips, my tongue. And hopefully for some of us, an evaluation of 2021, we can look back and we can at least be honest and say there are conversations, there are things that either I know I said things that hurt people or I complained or I gossiped. Or at least I need to use them for God. I've not been using them. I've not been using them how I should. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernet. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.